With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show, coming at you live from Tulsa, Oklahoma which is the home base of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, and the Paula Price Enterprises Headquarters. Everything comes out of Tulsa for us. And so welcome to today's show. We're going to jump into whatever God has in store for us. Dr. Price is prepared. We have been on the soul. Almost said we've been on the soul train. That's a shame. Okay. We're training our souls, all right? Uh, it's almost been like Soul Sunday every Thursday around here. This Sunday actually is Soul Sunday if you're alive in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But if you've been paying attention this last month to Dr. Price's social media at all, you'll see that she has been all over the place. One of those primary places being the NRB convention which is the National Broadcast Convention for radio stations, television shows, and the Christian industry. It's a really huge deal to be there and then to be interviewed by various platforms. So today, we want to kick off today's show with a, I don't know, maybe five-minute clip of Dr. Price speaking with Gene Bailey, who is the host of one of the uh, Flashpoint one of the shows on Flashpoint Network, and uh, they asked her about race, critical race theory, and all kinds of things like that. And so this was her first interview she did, not this most recent second one. This is the first one that was live in Nashville, Oklahoma. Nashville, Oklahoma. Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, somebody pray for me today. Okay, go ahead. Right now, we're seeing people stand up in a big way. Well, I want to meet you to meet one of those people, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome. Most of taking it on broadcast and you're also on TV. Let's talk about this. Let's just jump right into this. Uh, Dr. Paula, you know, one of the big issues is that, you know, I'm white, you're not. I mean, it's still a good I just want to talk about CRT, critical race theory. Where have we gone wrong in America with this? Thank you. 
Wow. I think we just need to start by ringing the bell. 
on that uh, revelation that was Dr. Price at NRB when we were there in Nashville, Tennessee, not too many weeks ago in her interview on Flashpoint. That's actually about half of the interview. And uh, they were like, we need more than 10 minutes because the full interview is 10 minutes. And they said, we need more than 10 minutes with Dr. Paula Price. And of course, we agree. But speaking into that reality where she said, we don't have to rewrite our history to correct our errors and rewrite our wrongs. And how um, the whole agenda is so insidious and it's so obvious, but it's not. But I guess the truth is obvious to people who want to see it, no matter what that truth is. It's obvious because when you see the truth, you know the truth. It's kind of like those puzzles uh, where they have the pictures and can your eyes discern the picture within the all the madness that's going on and, and what do you see? Do you see it this color? Do you see it that color? I think that's a great depiction of where we are right now in the world and in the body of Christ. Can you look at this mess on the wall and actually see the truth that's in there. Can you see it? Can you discern it? What do you see? And somebody right next to you is like, I don't, I don't see that at all. You see a dog. I don't see a dog. I just see lines. I see a camel. You see a camel. I see a dog. And, but what is the actual truth behind that? So we wanted to kick off today's show with you seeing some of the places our chief apostle has been going and how this truth is being received in the wider body of Christ. It's very easy to walk around believing nobody wants to hear it. It's easy to have the Elijah syndrome, right? Wasn't it Elijah hiding in a cave, mm-hmm. running off, and everybody, and, and not everybody's bowed the knee. No, not everybody's done that. And whenever you stay separated and you stay isolated in the body or you only listen to one train of thought, it's easy to think or be convinced that you're the only one, there's nobody else. And what I like about something like NRB is we got to meet all kinds of people in the kingdom. And Prophet Tal and I had this conversation a couple of times while we were there. She said, wow, it is really good to be in a place with this many saints who believe the way we do. And everybody might not have your articulation, but that doesn't mean that they don't have your same beliefs. And too many times I think we get caught up in articulation. Well, they don't have the revelation like this person. They don't have the delivery like that person. But we're missing that there is a fundamental truth of Jesus Christ that we believe in, especially when it comes to separating out these issues. Oh, you know, there. And so we're walking around and we're listening to the different interviews, the different people asking Dr. Price questions, and um, some repeating from last year, a lot of new ones this year. And you can hear the concern. You can see the people sounding the alarm and realize that the whole agenda of suppression has been quite effective, even among the body of Christ. The suppression is real. And when we got there is when we we said, oh, wow, there's a whole, I mean, the exhibit room where this interview was is huge. And just booth after booth after booth and station after station and, and products and different resources and different materials and, and different things that were down there. And then upstairs were the radio interviews and then over upstairs somewhere else were other broadcasts and all kinds of things going on. And you, it's almost overwhelming to see that many people in one place who believe the same way. Very exciting. Actually very encouraging to know that there's a lot of people out there still sounding the alarm. 
because the body of Christ is far from dead. And we'll say, God's not dead. Yeah, that's right. But then we still kind of act like he is. We still act like he's maybe flatlining. Maybe the kingdom is the church is flatlining a little bit. We read too many statistics that talk about how many people have defected from God. And you notice how most of these stats are not about how many people are getting saved. How many people have come back to Christ? How many churches didn't close? How many people did push back? And even our own statistics can lead us and skew into a skewed place of believing that we're failing. Now, we have failed, God. There's no question about that because the fruit is apparent. But even we have to make sure we're telling the whole story. Yes, there's people who have failed, and then there are people who have thrived. There are people who have succeeded. There are people who didn't fold. There are people who didn't crumble. There are people who didn't sell out. There's a lot of those still going on. Something to think about as we move forward. Now, in June, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, TPTI. I don't even know what year this is. Let me see. We started the first luncheon when I was, how old was I? 25 and 40, almost 43. It was my 25th birthday. Right. So somebody do that math. And uh, that's where we're going right now. So we're going to show this quick promo about TPTI and talk about that when we come back. Mark your calendars for June 15th through the 18th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary, hosts her annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This year's theme is the station of the Prophet in God's future, unlocking the future of the Almighty with the key of prophecy. Keynote speakers include Prophet Elizabeth Tyam Luke. Prophet C.T. Johnson. Tulsa, June 15th through the 18th. I'm going to be here overseeing the youth conference. So excited about training our young people, identity being their key to destiny. If you are somebody who you know that God has tapped and called to make a difference, uh, it's time to make that journey and make that shift to Tulsa for this event in June 15th through the 18th. A group can be as small as five people. So you can register a group as small as five people and get the group rate and get on here and sign up. I'm telling you, I don't know what other wake-up call we need to have. I really don't. Outside of fire falling from the heavens, and even that probably won't be enough for some people, uh, to know that if she said this ain't that, yesterday is gone. Yesterday's era has collapsed in on itself. It is over. Coasting and riding on a feel-good message, coasting and riding on just something that makes people feel good is over. That's how we got here right now, is by Easy Street. And what are we going to do that's going to ruffle the least amount of feathers, get the biggest numbers in our church, and have the highest offerings every Sunday? And so we did that. The church did that for several decades. And look at where it got us. People who were afraid to come together. People, I mean, we... Even when we were out of town, somebody talking about, well, you know, we're going to beat this COVID thing. What? Come on. Are we all ministers together talking about? We need to be about the Father's business. 
and building and rebuilding his kingdom. Today, product highlights. 10% off the Soul of Success collection. Yes, there is a collection with the Soul of Success. 10% off. Uh, that is for you through what day? Expires Friday at midnight. So don't wait too long. Don't wait too long. You can see on your screen 10% off. The, the code is Soul Codes. Well, that's appropriate. Soul Codes. Oh, Prophet CT said he'll be he'll be at TPTI as well. Well, that's good since you're on the flyer. <laughs> you're on the flyer, and that's wonderful. When I told him, I said, when you're on the flyer, we treat you like a VIP. When you're not on the flyer, you're family. All right, so come on and help us get something done. When you're not on the flyer, when you're on the flyer, you come on, you get the preferred seating. We Let me serve you because you're on the flyer. When you're not on the flyer, it's like the refrigerator's over there. Help yourself. You know how you do it, family. It's over there. Go get it yourself. <laughs> and so we're super excited about June and what God is doing. This particular combination of mantles is explosive. And there, it's very important to know if you coagulate with the mantles that you're ministering with. Whenever we send Dr. Price on the road, there's a question that I have in her paperwork about who else is going to be there. Now, that question is not based upon is somebody big enough for her to show up? It's are we going to have a clashing of the mantles, a clashing of doctrine, a clashing of belief system, at which point we will respectfully decline unless otherwise notified by the Lord. It's not fun when you're on the road. It's not pleasant when you're on the road and you know you're sitting in a room that's going to blow up because the person before you said something completely contrary to what you believe and the person after you is going to undo what you just said and did. And so uh, Dr. Price uh, taught us years ago about the uh, every mantle has the apothecary, but the coagulation of mantles at events and conferences. And so when we bring people in, we have to know that there is uh, somewhere among the mantles a, like I said, a coagulation where they can gel together, they can congeal, but they can produce a combination, a combined effect on those that have attended to where one person is pouring into the next, to the next, to the next, and there's not this whole separation like oil and vinegar, water and oil where you put one drop in and everything scatters to the side of the container, but it gels and mixes together. And that's one of the things that people often say about our events is it's like, but it's one seamless line of thought. Now, people don't sound the same. Everybody has their own flavor. But just like any amazing dish, you take all these ingredients that work well together to create a particular dish. And that's what we do with our mantles. I mean, last year, Prophet Angela taught uh, in the evening on intercession. Prophet uh, Elizabeth was like, I have never in my life heard intercession taught like this. That's her sentiment. And blown away. And so we're not out here to sound like everybody else. Can we say? We're not here to sound like everybody else. We're not here to replicate and model anyone else. We don't sit around tables and say, well, Apostle Dustin what got big because he spoke on this, and Apostle Dustin what got huge because they spoke on that. That's not why we're here. We're here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. 
not represent what's trending. We're supposed to set the trends that other people follow, not look and see what they're following and then see how we can do it. So our events are very different than other ones, and we like it that way. We want to train, not just inspire. We want to equip, not just inform. And those are different objectives with a different platform and a different approach. So when you come to our event, you don't schedule your movie time and your mall time. There is no time. All right? You don't, you don't say, oh, I'm going to be in Tulsa, so I'm going to meet up with all my friends during the conference, and I'll just pop in here, and I'll just pop in there. Uh, newbies sometimes try that on occasion, but they, they cancel their plan. Oh, no, I can't leave. This is because this is not a conference. Originally, it was the Tulsa Prophetic Forum where we come together, we're joining intelligence, we're joining thoughts, we're not just throwing things out there. I think I can say with confidence, one of Dr. Price's pet peeves is gathering people, getting them all stirred up, pep rally, rallied up, and then what? We're so hyped, we're so excited, the anointing fell, and what are you going to do with that information? Oh, I don't know. We bring people to Tulsa to change them, not just to inspire not just to motivate. This is not a motivational weekend, although you will be motivated by the end of it. But the goal is to transform us, to inform, to train, develop, arm, equip, strategize. When people leave, they actually know what they received and what they're going to do with it. So it's not play play. Now, we have a great time, okay? We will laugh. Sometimes we cry. We worship until we fall out. And the training happens. We don't have sloppy prophetics. We don't have messy ministry where a wind of the spirit blows and knocks the whole conference off. And the whole reason you came doesn't happen. And, well, we know we brought in so-and-so and thus and what, but we just going to let God just steamroll everything. And, and the people that, and so we don't, now God moves. I promise you he moves. Mightily and powerfully, but you receive what you came here for. Well, we confer with the Holy Ghost. Oh, we let him set up the agenda, set up the subjects. So there's no reason for him to cut up just because. So we create a place for God to be God and to do the God thing. Yes. You know, he's a honey man. I just love our Savior. He's a good God. Well, you you seem to be on on fire this morning. Fire. 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 Honey. Because you seem to be on fire. It's easy. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm going to talk about my because today I'm going to teach you from a couple of dunamite slides. Hey. See, so you understand. And um, and then I, I, I want to mention again, and I'm going to keep mentioning it because I have to keep helping you understand what kind of tool this is and why it is a tool. Okay. Yeah. This is a tool. It's an instrument of vocabulary, definitions, and synonyms, subject-based, topic-based information. So your new creation biology, if you have this word cloud, you're going to appreciate it a great deal after today. Okay, I have stuff flying. I won't need that. Okay. We're going to appreciate a great deal after today. And it gives you, I love the way it's laid out. We've got all of these lists. So I want you to, this is not just a something to do. If you're a writer, you want this. If you're a prophet or any kind of messenger, preacher,
future. So you want this. Ask yourself, how often have you thought, could I get another word for? One of the things that people are bored with today is they keep getting the same language for the same word, for the same everything. And when people hear same too much, they drop out. They mentally check out. So this is important. So the, we have the biotic word clouds, and we're going to talk about biotic today. And I don't know, maybe next time we'll talk about cellulation. So we have, this is volume one, your new creation biology. Because you want to know, I'm, most people want to know, what happened to the church? Where did we go off? Why is it people are disinterested in salvation? Well, you're going to get those answers. If you're a pastor, a leader, prophet, educator, counselor, evangelist. It's amazing, under evangelicalism, we lost the evangelist. So it's like we all, we had all these babies. And we just put them in a the field and let them act like act as if they are children in the playpen. Next one is leadership. If you are an organization, you want this again for counsel, for advice, for synonyms, for you to get your thoughts clearer. There's a portion in here I think is just so great, you know. And and, and I'm doing them, so I'm, and I will have a bunch of them. My next one, I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to do it on soul. Holy Ghost woke me up. He said, no, no. He said, I want you to make the word pack. Because we don't know why the scripture exists. Why do we need the word? The, the word, okay. So the next one after whatever we have out there, because, you know, we got the one we're finishing. Next one is word pack. So all of the passages, all of the ways you want to use the word, understand, forget us. The way God wants to use the word and understand the word. He might have something. So after we finish this one and we finish whatever we got, what, what do we have coming? Well, the leadership is already out, so we, we were pre-done the soul one. We got that. Don't worry about it. We're not shifting. Okay. We just want you to know we're having the word time. And in the beginning was the word. And I, I use that so much, I don't realize that. I don't even deal with the fact that in the beginning was the word. Now, we have. We've had some say. Didn't we teach on it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about it? It didn't say in the beginning was a feeling. In the beginning, there was a notion, an idea. It didn't say that. As a matter of fact, it didn't even say in the beginning there was a vision because in order for a vision to happen, the word has to go forth first in God's mind. So it is important how you speak. And I teach this a lot, all you cussing saints. Y'all, you cuss like Satan and try to tell us to believe in Christ. You understand? Because when God curses a thing, it's gone. It's finished. So a lot of your lives are wrecked because you have all of those seeds of cursing in your life. That's another teaching. But in your word, clouds, they all say this. Say what you want. Say it the way you mean it. Choose the right term. And then word it the right way. That is the purpose of this. You know how many times you're like, ah, uh, I can't, can you think of it? And nothing's worse than a prophet that can't think of a word. Oh. I'm like, but aren't you the prophet? Yeah. Okay. So I've had prophets stand in front of me in my early days. Now they don't, but they did. Come out. Well, you know the word. I mean, you know the word. I mean, no, no, no. If I have to hear from God for you as you're hearing from God from me, one of us 
to give you the words to give me my prophecy. Yeah, yeah that's a little bit superfluous. So we have these wonderful things. Isn't it the truth? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the truth. And so how do you use them? The value of the word cloud, there's so much for you to learn here. Um, we have the um, acronym REACT, which is recognize, evaluate, admit, correct, and turn around. And so you can look at any one of these. And if you want to talk about leadership, this one is a shift to leadership, and you want, you're putting together a presentation, you're putting together a talk, you're setting up your meeting, great tool. And each one at the bottom tells you what the word cloud focuses on. It's a great tool. So if you haven't gotten yours, you should get it. Because we still, I, I use them. That's why I did them. I did them for me first. And then I thought, well, other people might like that. So, um, and, and we use, and then we have our dunamite drills, which we'll talk about today. Dunamite, now, is this the one, is this the one that I wanted? Yeah, this is, yeah. This is our, yeah, our enhanced edition. Yes. <laughs> and the dunamite drills are to tell you and help you appreciate who you are in Christ. The first one tells you why they exist, identity. The, cry, the church has lost its identity. It has begun to identify with death. It has begun to identify with darkness. It's begun to identify with, with, with uh, driveness and with failure and even with sin. Like, we want a relationship with sin now. See, before we were running from it. Now we're relating to it. So we've lost our place, and that's because we've never really understood it. Many people got born again by just letting Jesus into your heart. That's not how it works, which is why you were having these great expectations of a changed life that didn't happen. Because... If you read Ezekiel T6, verses 24 to 26 or 7, it is the anatomy of John chapter 3. So because God starts everything with a prophet, everything. You can look in your Bible and try to disprove me, and I'm telling you, God starts everything with his prophet. I want to be a little bit more specific. Not any prophet, although Satan probably has to do the same thing with his psychics and company. But. God Almighty, the creator, starts everything with the prophet. And do you know, the first prophet was Abel, and Abel, Jesus calling Abel the first prophet actually discredits the church's definition of the word. Because we confine the prophetic to prophesying and prophecy. And yet no one can tell us, where is the book of Abel? Where is the prophecy of Abel? Now, the God of the prophets called him a prophet. So he began the prophetic line. Zechariah, according to Jesus, ended it. John the Baptist kick-started it again. I don't know about you, but I think that's kind of like really profound, isn't it? So it ended with Zechariah. I think God God has such a sense of humor, don't you think? Abel, Zechariah, 
A to Z. I love this man. He's telling you he's such a sweetheart. Truly the all-wise God. So he lets us know. He's given us the Old Testament has the prophets and everything prophetic from A to Z. That's powerful. Okay, and I know you'll be the one to do it too, won't you? She's just saying. And so, but I'm thinking Prophet CT probably eat that up for days. <laughs> you know? So when we come back to the prophetic, when God is resuming it, he resumes it with a prophet, John the Baptist. You don't often hear prophets relate to John the Baptist. Probably because he lost his head. You know, we don't like to relate to those prophets that didn't go out as pretty as we think. Oh, yeah, you know, hey, you know, I pray. And so here we are today. John the Baptist is the prophet, the bridge prophet, the transitional prophet. Isn't he a bridge? He bridges the old with the, who is that? Yes, ma'am, I will and am. <laughs> he's so precious. And so John the Baptist, he's bridging. So he's picking up from Zechariah, and he is, because he's he's not in, listen to me, here's where we get stuck. He is not reinstating prophecy. He's reinstalling or restituting the institution called prophecy called the prophetic. Why, how do you say that, Dr. Price? Because, to be honest with you, Jesus came to planet as a prophet, the prophet that Moses said would come. Moses, if you read Hebrews 3, Paul clearly understood the correlations between Moses and Jesus. Moses built the house. Jesus owns the house. All right. So when you read that, in Hebrews 3, you get to see that Moses was a prophet, and Mo- Moses said, the Lord your God is going to raise up a prophet from among you who is like me. What Moses built for one nation, Jesus is now multiplying and building for all nations as a prophet. We don't know Jesus is an apostle till we get on down the line. And, but he, did, he couldn't have been an apostle coming to Israel because, well, Israel's his nation. That's the only nation he had. So when you think about how this works, you will understand today. So I teach, we have a course called Scriptures Authoring Mantles. All of you specialists out there and all of you experts out there need to start using that phrase, Scriptures Authoring Mantles. According to, well, first, according to the Old Testament, when he did everything with the prophet, and the prophets actually ran his nation with the priest, they certainly governed it, and they pulled in the government that God wanted to have. But scriptures authoring mantles. We have a course in my apostleship training course, our apostleship readiness call, called SAMS. It's an acronym for scriptures authoring mantles. Why is that important? Because I don't care how the theologians divided it. I really don't. I don't care how they broke it down. These are the wisdom books and all of that. That's theology. And where is it today? Because many universities have dumped it. They've dumped it. But I like Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is like, okay, so you all don't want it? Jesus has that. If you don't want it, I don't care that you don't want it. 
But if you don't, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm taking it to the Gentiles. Yeah. He has said that and done it over and over again. When you kick him out, he just goes to somebody who doesn't know him. Okay? So today, many of you Christians don't know it, all of the stuff that you argued over, that straining at a gnat, hair-splitting heresy, um, all of that. Now the universities are teaching your Bible. <laughs> See, you didn't want to teach it. You don't understand how naive and gullible the body of Christ has been. So you gullibly listen to Satan say, oh, the word is outdated. Oh, that's not this and that's not that. And so you started pe- preaching happy time, fun time, play time, money time. Oh, yes. And for those of you whose pastors have turned, stopped being shepherds and become motivational speakers, mm-hmm. if you are called to Jesus Christ, you need to leave that pastor and let him get his audience from the secular world that he, he cherished. Because anybody who changes their title from what's eternal to what's temporal, has sold your soul. You need to find out where your soul has been sold to. A little late, too. Now, you say, well, how can you say that? Because God did not raise up shepherds, uh, uh, motivators according to his own heart. He said, I will give you shepherds according to my heart. And Jeremiah, isn't that what he said? I will give you shepherds. How many of you all know that's what it wrote? He didn't say I'm giving you motivators. Mm-hmm. He could have just given you an engine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you are, unless, of course, you're a secular Christian. Well, That is why God didn't call us Christians. He called us his elect. Because he knew folks were going to do things with the title Christian. So I'm going to tell you right now, some of you all, you're, oh, no, my pastor's a motivational speaker. My pa- I'm telling you, they, what are they motivating you to? Because they've left Jesus. So what are they motivating you to? Join them in the exodus from the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I, the Holy Ghost asked me to say that today, and I'm, I'm all for whatever he needs to say. So some of you all, you're walking around since your pastor's changed the title. Your life is dead. There's no, the Holy Ghost is not showing up. You can't get a decent prayer through. God is acting as if he's angry. He is. He's offended because he's been betrayed. Your pastor has betrayed your Messiah for motivational speaking. And see, I like being an apostle. I really do. And you know why I like being an apostle? Because that's our job. Our job is to tell you where Jesus is and where he has gone. And our job is to tell you where he is and where he isn't. And then we can only tell you that by understanding his criteria for why he did what he did. And there is no criteria to explain pastors becoming motivational speaking. Now, there's a pattern. There's seduction. But the only criteria you need to do that is carnality. So carnal criteria will make you a motivational speaker. Because carnal criteria makes everything against Christ. I wanted to get back to you. And, you know, some of you all are going to write me. And that's going to be fine because, you know, I don't really, really care because I know I'm right. I know I'm right because I didn't get saved to be wrong. And I didn't get saved to, be the, to stay the same. So if you didn't get saved to stay the same, and if you didn't get saved to be wrong, then you have to ask yourself, why am I saved? And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Is that okay? 
How's my team? How are your Facebook, social media people? How are you guys doing? Because you, you, you know I'm going, I'm going there. Yes. She's having a blast over here all by herself. So I said to you a few minutes ago, as we enter, open this, you know, God is really disturbed with that motivational speaker thing, and somebody right now is very precious to the Lord, and he's warning you not to go that way, because you, I see, if you go that way, I see him unhooking you from his kingdom, from his spirit, from the Godhead. I see him just unhooking you. Sir. You, have, you had a great hook with God, and he's getting ready to unhook you. So you want to think about that. Well, you know, I mean, I can make all of the money that are whatever. First of all, making money doesn't mean you keep it. The world is full of some past, a lot of past tense millionaires. A lot of past tense billionaires. So that, you know, that can't do it. But what would a man give for his soul? Because your soul is not yours. The reason God, Jesus said that is because your soul isn't his, isn't yours. He, you're borrowing his soul for your life in this world. So he can say, what will you give for your soul? Because Ezekiel has already told us, behold, all souls are mine. All means all. So your soul is not yours to sell, but it is yours to lease the darkness. So a lot of you all have soul leases. You've leased it to Satan to do whatever it is he's doing. I love being an apostle because apostles are supposed to be smart. And we're not supposed to just be Denominational. There's no denomination for apostleship because we represent the throne of Christ. You can't have a denomination called apostolic, <laughs> called Baptist, called charismatic. You can't do that because we don't represent the population. We represent its supreme sovereign. Now, how that trickles down to the others, but apostles and prophets, not so. Now, that, the trickle-down theory, you know, can go to others, which is why you can see the trickle-down in Ephesians 4.11. But we did that, and maybe they'll remind you where we did that a couple of weeks ago. So, just in case you didn't know, if you're just tuning in, welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. I'm a thronal agent. I represent the Godhead. I don't represent their people. I monitor, I nurture, develop, etc. But I don't represent God's people. That's for the other officers to do. I represent the Godhead. You, I want you to write it down because you know some of y'all wrote, right? Y'all try to get smart because somebody really doesn't think that I wrote a dictionary <laughs> and I don't know seventy other books. Man wrote me last week. I was saying some. I don't even know what I said. You might have saw it. You mentioned it to me. I shared it with you, didn't I, Norm? And so he wrote, um, I was talking, something I said last week about chief apostle or whatever. You know, people have a problem with chief. Like, they love their chief CEO, chief okay. executive officers. They love their chief of police. They love their chief of the fire department. They love their chief surgeon. They love their chief of staff. Only God can't have chiefs. You see how much you hate him? You want him to always be subjected to the world. So he wrote me, uh, you know, I usually ignore people, but since he was um, arrogant enough to cuss on my site, because what is whatever I said, he said, DM if I know. I said, well, let me tell you this. Wasn't that wonderful? 
And you know what I wrote back? <laughs> if you got to ask. Well. Then you're not called to it. And God doesn't care that you don't know. If you got to ask. Now, if he had approached me differently, I might have been different. But you were dumb enough to do that, then I'm going to let you know that God accepts what you said as your dumbness that he's going to leave you with. If you got to ask. That's where I am. <laughs> well, you know what they say? If you got to ask what, how much it costs, you can't afford it. Not for you to know. So it's not for you to know. And I guess because there's some, you know, men obviously are so used to these flaky, flaky women. They are not accustomed to women who, I'm not impressed with testosterone. It doesn't impress me. I'm not even impressed with my estrogen. So there we go. We're even. I'm impressed with the power that works in me. Leave me alone, sir. See, there are a lot of women, you know, like, they, they need that. I don't need that because I'm not out here for my womanhood. Right. I'm out here because I am an agent of the Godhead. I am a thronal agent of the Godhead. I work for the Godhead. I'm not Jesus only. That's why I say Godhead. Clarify. <laughs> that means and the Godhood of the Godhead rests in me for my purpose. And I have to say that because it's time out for the church to keep apologizing. And, and again, I'm not, no, I'm not, do, you know, I'm not doing it. Not. I'm not doing it. And I'm raising up people that God can stand on, lean on, and count on, and bank on. That's our job. That's what apostles do. And you've been, all of those theological texts about how hard their life was, et cetera, and how pitiful it is. So you walking around expecting us to be what? I don't even know. I and my life was hard, but guess what? Name a celebrity whose life wasn't hard. Name a leader whose life wasn't hard. Name an achiever, a town, a t- name a pioneer, a groundbreaker whose life wasn't hard. I'm not defined by my hardship. I'm defined by my conquest. Amen. Come on. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. And see, the problem is you all have been taught to define apostleship by the backlash. Ah! <laughs> and because you've defined them by backlash, you don't, in your mind, you kind of having this whole magical idea that anybody who does anything great or anybody who's strong is wrong. So in your mind, you cannot appreciate God's threefold or fivefold because you kind of think that when you hit Satan, he's just going to say, uh-oh. Well, I guess it's over. He's not going to throw in the towel because he's going to throw you in. If you don't push back on him, you will be the towel. (laughs) We have got to stop telling you that. That's like somebody saying, I am going to call out the heavyweight champion, feel like I feel as strong as they are. And so I'm going to call them out because they can't be anything but like me. You're the weaker one. You have to prove yourself. And if you think that person's going to get in there and say, oh, poo-poo, you little newcomer, oh, look at you trying. No, no. you got, you got to climb the ranks to face off with the top. You've got to defeat everything they defeated before you. 
to face off with the top. So why is this important? It's important because this this is what Jesus had to do. Jesus had to go to hell to defeat who was sitting in his seat. You will never take a seat that you will not defeat the person that's in it. Everybody knows that that's what elections are all about. Can you defeat what you want to unseat? You can't unseat them until you defeat them. Now, I don't know who you are, but that's really where we are. So you're at this point that you want to – that's why you all write this stupid stuff to us. You you, you sit there and go to church every six months. Every six months. Read your Bible when you have a crisis. Listen to everybody's tape while you take witchcraft, psychic, and astrology lessons. And you want to take us on when this is all we do? I don't go to church. I embody the church for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's in me is what I dispense to his body. Paul said, but a dispensation has been committed to my trust. Dispensation means something was dispensed in him. Which is why he walked around and said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Because God will kill him. You, God's not, kill, not, not threatening your life because you don't read scripture. You don't have to live in fear of your family being decimated because you won't answer your call. But if you had a real call to be a first and second officer or a third, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29, if you had a real call, trust me, you wouldn't say no. Those apostles knew better than to say no. Once you, and especially once you say yes. You must say yes in their oops. <laughs> oops, this is going to take everything. You wonder why a lot of these people are dying because God is like, are you kidding me? I can't leave you in the planet to discredit me after all you've done for me, and now you're going to turn on me. So I can't let you turn on me publicly. So I'm going to remove you from my planet so that the the, the tracks you lay and the trail you blaze is not subverted by your rebellion and your treason. I don't understand why. No, I'm telling you. Now, you think you know. How do you say this? How can you know? Because you don't know what meetings people have had. You don't know what texts they got. You don't know what offers they got. You don't know what came to them in the email or the mail that they are contemplating seriously. You don't know all of them talking about I'm quitting or they've got that they they're, they're like Moses they married to Zipporah. <laughs> you won't remember Moses and Zipporah. Zipporah was the wife that said you are not circumcising my kids for your faith, and I didn't get in here. I didn't marry you for this. I married you because you were a big guy in Midian and former uh, candidate for the throne of Egypt. I didn't marry you to serve your God. And I didn't marry you to sacrifice my family to your God. See, because you need to hear this, because God is getting ready to break out in the church. I'm telling you, and he wants you to know, so that before you put your mouth on it like you understand, he wants you to shut up. Like he told Aaron when his two sons offered strange fire to the Lord. Jesus. And God didn't change. We had Aaron with the strange fire. We get all the way down to Eli. And he said, I'm the Lord. I change not. He's getting ready to clear the
the slate. He is getting ready to settle accounts. And, I, I, you know, I've been trying to get off of this for like a month and a half. And he won't, he, because some of you all really love the Lord Jesus Christ. Many, many, many of you really want the best for God. You want God's best, but you want the best for God because you love him to that extent. Many of you all, you believe it, and, you, and, and you're like the people in Malachi 3. You know, see, I, I don't give you stuff that's not God. Well, I don't have to. God is so full. He got so much going on here. I don't even have to do make up stuff, you know? And so when you think about Malachi, this is a very important thing for you all to know. Because, you know, most of you all, the only thing you know about Malachi 3 is the tithe. And also, <laughs> bring ye the tithe. My tithe are not coming. <laughs> I want to bless the Lord for y'all knowing about the tithe. So we know that. But even the tithe, we don't teach that with God's mind. The season that God has put me in is mind of Christ, thoughts of God. I'm going to get one of these artist people to, to do that for me. Now, it says here in Malachi 3.13, your words have been stout. And when he says stout, he's talking about your words have been very mean about me. Because we're talking mad about, we're talking nasty about the Lord. I'm good as I've been to him. My kid is dead. My husband's gone. My life is this. Because, like, you know what somebody did 24-7. You can't even die, go to your deathbed and say that your spouse didn't cheat. On text a few seconds. Leave me alone, Ash. <laughs> Leave me alone, Say a word. <laughs> but you all are acting as if you are in these people's lives 24-7. You don't know who they met going to the store. You don't know what calls they took and agreed with. You don't know what deals they cut. You are, you're fighting with he who is omniscient and omnipresent, okay? Omniscient and omnipresent, and you're telling him he's wrong. Instead of saying, God, I don't know why, but I know you're a just God. I know you're a righteous God. And if this is what you let happen, I'm sorry. And I'm sorrowful right now. I'm very sorrowful right now, God. And it's not like I'm having a tough time believing you, but I'm having a tough time reconciling this with, between you and my loved one. You know, if you, if you approach it right, God talks to you. And he'll start telling you. Because I had that situation with my mom one day. I was crying. Oh, my God. I was weeping. I was like, she had gone through, and she was just going through this battle, and she just couldn't win, and on and on and on. And I was just sad. And, you know, at that time, God and I were, you know, he's always been, we've always been like this. This is me and Jesus from day one. He set it up. I never let it go. And so I said, God, and she loves you. And I said, God, and she just wants to do right by you. She prays all the time. She quotes the scriptures. She do all of that. And the Holy Ghost broke through, and he said, could use her, I would. And he showed me this red vein of resistance that she could never defeat. Mm-hmm. It eventually it eventually a shelter. Now, I'm thinking I could, if I could. He talked to me about another woman, one of our prophets. I was like, well, one's a prophet, really. But I talked to me about them, and I was getting ready to go. And then, because they were, I mean, life was slamming them left and right. I mean, okay, slamming.
slamming and crushing this woman. And she was just like, I just don't know what God is doing. I just don't understand. And see, because you all need jolly time prophecy. See, y'all need jolly prophecies, you know? See, but yeah, you want the holly jolly. You better know it. So nothing, he wouldn't answer. Because if God's not answering you, it's because you don't want his truth. So he's not going to lie for you. He's going to let you get your lie from the being he assigned to be the father of lies. So, so your father, God, is not going to do Satan's job. So here we go. So she, and I mean, I went, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to God. The Lord, I mean, the, the thing that is so horrible. And you know what the Lord told me? I got ready to go pray. I was ready to get, I was getting geared up. I was. And he said, before you get started, let me tell you what I did. See, we're so quick to call God wrong and to judge him with evil. He, God, you, you raise up his defense mechanism. He starts defending himself. And, and God's thing is, I'll just go silent. I just, I'm not saying. Okay. And he won't tell you. I have very few times, I don't think I have any, that I've gone through something and God didn't tell me what it was. Most times he would tell me in advance. I'd get a dream and, or whatever. Or I'd find, you know how you happen upon the scripture that you got highlighted in seven colors and you looked at it and it looks like it's never been, <laughs> never been in the box. Don't you know? You know, right, prophet? You got seven colors of highlight on this thing, and all of a sudden, it's jumping out as if he just put it in there last night. Just, just for you. And so he will talk to me like that. I'll get some of my pet scriptures, favorite scriptures that I preach that I know don't really apply to me right now. And so, (laughs) mind of Christ, thoughts of God. And so, and he'll he'll make it talk to me, and he'll just answer it. And then when I go and start saying, "Well, you just didn't answer me," take me back to the multicolor passage, (laughs) and says, "I told you." And there are times that he will say to me, if you can't stop yourself from doing this, I'll take it over. Now, I've been with God enough years to know I'm going to work my flesh myself because God could work your flesh like nobody and wear your flesh down and let you, and when it's all over, you telling him you but flesh. Lord, I'm only flesh. I'm only human. I mean, I'm only human. Why are you attacking me like I'm not your now I'm going to quote all his fleshly scriptures to him, you know? Now, okay? I mean, we got this treasure, Lord, in the earth and vessel. I mean, come on, God. I'm a clay pot. Why are you doing this to me? Come on. The clay, we, now, but see, now, before the trial, we were letting him know. And he's like, we'll wait. So there are, one day we'll have a wonderful round table here, and we'll probably laugh all the way through it because that's what we do here. And then, yeah, well, we might weep a bit. But the point that I want you to get is that when you respect God as God and you stop treating him as an idol, see, God doesn't want to be your idol, and that's what you want. God does not want to be your idol because idols are man-made, handmade. So you read all the prophets, and if you, if you really read the prophets in the Bible instead of just searched out prophecy, oh. you'd find out the difference between 
an idol. God said to Israel when he brought them out of Egypt, he said this. He said, now listen, take heed to yourself. Be careful not to look up to heaven and see the stars and the moon, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and feel driven. He uses a peculiar word, and feel driven to worship them because your God is not that. He said, you heard my voice, but you never saw my form. The only person who saw his form was Moses, and Moses could only see the back parts. He said, and I do that so that you don't fall into imagination and try to sketch me to be like something, this is important, like something I made. So God is not interested in being your idol, but you want to treat him as your idol because idolatry is in your soul. The reason people are faithful to idolatry is because it's their artifice. Mm-hmm. It was made by humans, mm-hmm. and we can relate to human to human. Mm-hmm. The idols are meant to be human to human deceptions. So I'm back. I know y'all thought I forgot Malachi, but I got you. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain. Oh, come on, y'all. Check your soul. It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? In other words, I stay holy, sanctified, and celibate for nothing. Uh-oh. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Smooches. <laughs> that we have kept this ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of house. Now, do you understand that there are people serving God and mourning as they serve? Yeah. They're, they're grieving. They're whining. They're complaining, they're pouting as they serve God. That's what they're saying. We have, we, we, you didn't give us our reward in, in our due season or what we felt was our due season. You didn't do this for me. You didn't do that. So I won't quit you, Jesus, but I'm not going to give you my all anymore. I'll do So you become an, oblig, an obligatory servant. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it but not even because you, you want to serve God. You just don't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And you don't want God to turn on you. Right. So he said, and, and so what, what is it? Because we've walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. And now we call, listen to what you did. All these people, all these preachers who have turned, this called good, evil good and good evil, these are the people this passage is for. You needed to find out if they're in scripture. They are scriptural. Now they're corruptly scriptural, but they're scriptural. And so God calls them backsliders in heart. A backslider in heart can't serve God long. And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Isn't that those sermons you're hearing? Hyper grace. This is a hyper grace platform. This is it. You know. Well, I'm sorry because obviously God is not big enough and he's not as bad as Satan is. He can't bless me the way the devil can. And I know that happens because they come and they try to talk to me. And I'm like, but you got put out. So I'm still going to talk to you like you're a devil. You lost your bid to unseat your maker. You understand that no matter how long he waits, like the Hebrew boys, if we perish, 
okay? God is able to deliver us, but if not, we're not bowing to you, Nebuchadnezzar. Esther, if I perish, then I perish. Then we can go on. So look at this. This is where it gets good. 316. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then shall ye return. Now, this is important. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between them that serve God and him that serves him not. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day that I shall do this, saith the Lord. Now, and then, he gets, he's getting, look at this, he's getting ready to do it again. Now, this is powerful. And then he said, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Curvet is a global curse. I want you to understand, he, these people say, I don't care what you all say, God is just, God is right. And so God listens to you when you talk about him in your house. He listens to your complaints and your commendations. He listens to your celebrations, and he listens to your arguments and your rages. You think God doesn't. And because you think God doesn't, you think, well, at least I'm home. At least I'm not saying in front of anybody. But yet his messengers are there to see to it that Satan doesn't take you over. So guess what? They have to hear you bitterly berate their God. And judge him with your little sick emotions. Like you know what's going on. You don't even know you're going to have an argument, I mean, an accident in three weeks, but you're going to tell God. Meanwhile, leading up to it, God is saying, now make sure you, make sure you do this. Check your tires. Check your yes. this. Why, why do you think he's telling you? Omniscient, omnipresent. Yes. All right. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't listen, you get angry with him. Why didn't you stop that car? Because it, the, the judgment was on that car, and you shouldn't have been vulnerable to that judgment. We are so pitifully taught. God talked to me this morning. He said, but my people are just poorly trained. He said, they've not known me. They're just poorly trained. They're opinionated and high-minded. And you think you know what it is to be God. See, there are times that God tells you to go the long route because he has released a judgment on the route you're taking. He's trying to rescue you, but hey, I'm sorry. And then the worst, and I'm telling you, I'm living this now. The worst is the prophets in your life call you and say, I got a word. Are you you going to ignore them? You will ignore them. And what you do is you ignore them. I'm going to pray for you. Uh Uh-uh. Because you have been so poorly trained, you feel like God won't say anything to a prophet that he won't say to you first. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Prophecy does not have to confirm. 
I'm sure that until Mary got in that, that wilderness and the Holy Ghost showed up and said, I'm getting ready to make you pregnant as a single woman. No. No. Okay. And the Bible says, surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveal his secret to his servants, the prophets. And so we can't even help you. The real prophets can't help you because you're too toxic and too toxified by the old ones, by the false prophets. You like that. And Jesus talked about that. He said, no, no, they like sweet words. You like sweet words until hell comes. And then when hell shows up, now you want to tell God he's derelict in his duties. Jesus is derelict. When he said, I gave you the Holy Spirit who will show you things to come, who will take a word of mine and show it to you, who will tell you all things. But in order for you to get that, you can't just visit the Holy Spirit once a year or twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit is 24-7. And, and so I'm really saying all of this because I need you to think differently about the Almighty so that you can begin to save your lives and save your kids. I mean, I've had it. God will say to me, something is about to happen. I get to tell somebody, oh, we saw you, we, you ask us to pray, and we start praying. All of a sudden, you're like, no, we don't do that here. And then three months later, the reason he moved publicly was because something was going to happen to you that the public would put their mouth on. And he wanted to prevent that public catastrophe. But you act as if you are yesterday, today, and forever. And we're not. And we're not. See, all those times that we went through this, and and when you look at it in the Bible, you're like, yeah, but the prophets, I mean, ultimately they got killed and, and they didn't. Yeah, when you serve for government, you are putting everything at risk, and God is the government of governments. Those people who serve your nation's government are just as at risk and just as likely to be sacrificed for what we like to call the greater good. We never know. What is the greater good? And nobody ever asked, so what is that? Like, what good is that? I need to know what the greater good is. See, Satan is good at cutting off paragraphs and sentences and just giving you the chunky piece. It's kind of like only eating the chocolate chip out the cookie. Sweet, but you don't get the cookie. You throw the cookie away. And so, but anybody who works for a nation's government is going to be put at risk. And those people who are trained for it know it. And they say the greater good is the continuance of my land or the preservation of our politics, of our constitution, of whatever. Why is it that you think you can work for the nation of Jesus Christ and not be a threat to his adversaries? That's a naive reason to enter ministry. We understand that. And unless God sets you in another place or gives the enemy a command concerning you, and there are a lot of people, he gives them a command concerning them. But that command is not the norm. It's a supersedence. So he supersedes the norm for the sake of your purpose. As many times as Paul was killed, that man could tell you what hell looked like because they done killed him. 
Floyd was killed, every time you turn around, God had to bring him back. Uh-huh. I, it's the truth, isn't it? You have to bring him back. No. And then, no, but then when Paul finished his course, God is like, okay, you can come home. He's like, but well, I'm confused. I'm torn. I don't know whether to stay with you. You have been, you've been, listen, you, they have been killing you forever. Now you can go home on a free pass. You're talking about, I don't know whether I want to stay with you or do I want to go and be with the Lord. Why are we talking like this? Because, you know, we have several, some of you all, this is new stuff. Others, it's not new stuff. You're just glad to hear it out loud. Mm-hmm. And you're glad to hear an authority figure say it. But I want you to know, mind of Christ, thoughts of God. You cannot just walk around saying you have the mind of Christ. That's like a baby. And a lot of people do it. You know, even today, that's promoted. It's like a, a baby or your teenager telling you, I got, and listen, I got a mind too. And you want to say, yeah, you have a mind with stupid thoughts, <laughs> with dangerous thoughts, with childish thoughts, with reckless thoughts. Isaiah 55, but my thoughts are not like your, you don't think like your parents because you're not a parent. You don't think like your parents because you don't like being parented. You don't think like your parents because your brain has not grown to that stature. Because if it's not, if, if, if adulthood is not going to do it, experience and compulsion will. So you have a baby out of wedlock, and now you start thinking like a parent, and you're, and they have to get to the age you are when you had that kid before you understand how to think like your parents. <laughs> because, see, it means nothing as long as they're cute and cuddly, but when they stand in your face to cuss you out and tell you what you will and will not do, see, now that's a whole other set of thoughts. She <laughs> calls it an animal. That's, that's that. And, and, and so we do that. You, you, you think, okay, well, I got Jesus too. You, got, you have Jesus as a seed, and I have him as a full measure and stature. You understand there's a difference. Because Jesus became flesh to let us know that in us, in human spiritually, when he enters us, he still goes through embryo, fetus, infant, child, youngster, teen, adolescent. And you don't know that till you get to the full measure of stature and you can think God's thoughts with his mind, with Christ's mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not what? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to what? And let me tell you, you can voice that thing. You can say, well, I'm just like you. No, you can't. Because let me tell you something. God will put you through my trials, and you will write me and tell me how wrong and how blind you were. Be careful who you challenge in the name of the Lord. I did that to a woman because, you know, I'm, I'm so serious. And she would, you know, would let me know what she knows. And, you know, I, I had to know her prayer schedule and her devotional tactics and all of that. And I said, really good. That's good. So now, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want you to give her what she's saying she has as equivalent to me. I want you to give her the classes. I want you to give her the journey. I want you to give her the devils. I want you to give her the training. I want you to give her the warfare. I want her to have it verbatim. Unpack this for my sister. So when we meet again, oh, oh. that hurt me just like that. <laughs> I do. 
And God told me, he said, when they do that, he said, tell them I have a principle called your judgments will be your leftovers. That means if there's anything left over after he judges you. Amen. The wisdom from it. And so I just, um, I love this. Um, Isaiah 55, 8. For my my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And you are arguing people like you living holy, shacking, slipping, something on the side, drugging, dipping, sniffing. Sucking CBD like it's a, 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 come on, somebody. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower. See, God is like, everything I do is to help somebody, feed somebody, save somebody, you know, quench some thirst. He said, and bread to the eater. Now listen, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper. In the thing, in the thing is added, and it shall prosper whereunto I sent it. So God, that's a principle. Thoughts of God. He didn't say my thoughts. He, I, I don't even have to make that up. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You don't even think like I think. You don't think like a, a creator. You don't think like a, mayor, a, a savior. You don't think like a maker. Even though you're born again, you don't think the, my, with the mind of Christ. You blame the mind of Christ for the things you want to think wrongly. You have no idea what Jesus thought because you haven't paid attention to it. Jesus, one thing Jesus said that I'd absolutely love, I learned this in John chapter 7, but the one thing that, I, that Jesus said that I absolutely love is when he said, he who is of God. What's the rest of it? Come on, prophets. Speaks the words of God. What did the enemy tell you to do over the last 20 years? Stop talking the word. I mean, everything that's not have to be Bible. I don't know why everything is Satan for you. You sitting here cussing like crazy, and we can't talk scripture. You can cuss, but we can't scripturalize. You sitting here lying and all of these other nonsensical things, and yet we can't do what we do. So you can do sin, you can do, you can spew corruption, but I can't spew the cure. We don't think with the thoughts of God. Jesus never let people do them like that, ever. I don't even know where this Jesus they got has got to be that kind of, you know, medieval, Asian, something hellish Jesus. Because the guy that I'm reading about, oh, no, he had a mouth, and he knew his mouth was the sword of the Lord. He used the sword of the Lord with wisdom. And he because he wrote it, he can say it. Mind of Christ, thoughts of God. What do you think? Well, we've got one little piece of passage that says, think on these things, and nobody broke down what it means. Think on thing, these things, whatsoever things are. No, no. But we have to think righteousness. 
We have to think the law of the spirit of life. We have to think the law of Moses so we can understand if somebody has left it to enter the law of the spirit of life. We have to think like Jesus Christ who has to deliver the kingdom to his father. We have to think like Jesus Christ who understands that there was a cherub that he had to kick out of his realm, and now he's in that cherub realm, and he's got to defeat him again. We have to think like there's a reason the law of sinning death exists and that it didn't begin on earth. We don't think the thoughts of God. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, we're putting it on everything, mind of Christ, thoughts of God. So when I say think differently, to live powerfully, that's what I'm talking about. Mind of Christ. Not just the mind of Jesus the Savior, but mind of the Christ that existed before the world was. John 17, Father, give me, bring me back into the glory which I had with you. Does anybody remember John 17 saying that? Before the world was. I heard a preacher t- one time. Chief, I heard a preacher say, Jesus had no memory of his pre-carnate life. See, that might have been the mind of Christ, but that wasn't the thought of God. I said, if he is, then he doesn't know why he's here. He can't possibly know why he's here if he doesn't remember his pre-carnate existence. Isn't that dumb? See, we preach that because we, we keep talking the mind of Christ through a through a ecumenical, because most of the time when they say that these are ecumenical preachers, because most of them think that, you know, we all ultimately equal, and in the end, God is going to say, oh, forget it. Everybody just come on. He's not doing that. Mind of Christ says, I came to give you life and it more abundantly. Thoughts of God said, unless a man is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. So I'm going to get a nice little, somebody's going to draw that up for me because, you know, I can't stop saying it. When I can't stop saying it, you know it's going to show up everywhere. Amen. So what I just gave you is critical thinking. The church has got to go back to critical thinking, not just critical thinking. Critical thinking for us is Christ thinking, Christ mind thinking. Thoughts of God being, believing. So your, our job is to literally let people hear from the God they can't hear. When you think about a Paul uh, in, on Mars Hill or in Acts 17, he was like, they were sitting, he said all they did was sit around and talk about one thing or another, and they just, you know, everybody was talking their God, but you can't talk yours. Mm-hmm. And because you, you let their God silence your God, you can't talk your God anywhere. I mean, we couldn't say Merry Christmas. Thoughts of God knew that would happen. Yeah. We cannot tell people why Jesus is the best. Why is he the top? Why is he God? What makes him better than Buddha? What makes him better than Brahma? First of all, Brahma not will never get along when Brahma sits there and talks about women come from the sole of his foot. And yet we're fighting for religions that hate women. All of these competitors hate women. And yet we're fighting for them. Well, they have a right to they have a right to do that, but they don't have a right to make me part of that hatred club. I'm not doing it. I I, I won't. All of them, and you know why? When you read, I think I mentioned it on Monday night when I was 
Tuesday night when I was on the conservative black female. When you read Primordial Enoch against the backdrop of Genesis 6, you understand devils hate women. If you didn't even want to do Genesis, let's just move on down to Revelation 12, where he's chasing the woman to destroy her. He's chasing her as a dragon. He's a dragon, and he's chasing her to destroy womanhood. And yet, we got all of these women talking about, I would rather serve any of them than the God that sets people free. Is that the most pitiful thing you ever heard? So anyway, the time to think, and in the circle it says, like your God. Time to think like your God. Mind of Christ. You have to cultivate your God consciousness. But you can't do it unless you are filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You have to be filled with God. Filled, you, you have to be filled with his thoughts. And so if we look under here, when we're talking about critical thinking and thinking like God, we're talking about critical thinking. We're talking about analysis and problem solving and strategy. We're talking about getting to the facts. You know, when you come to God, you start out in faith. But hopefully when you grow up, your faith, merges with facts. Like, I'm not in a place where I have to now make myself faith in that Jesus is Lord. That's a fact in my life. And when you let God, your faith becomes fact, he starts showing up. He starts doing things. He said that. He said, when you accept him, he said, I will come and make my home in you, and then I'm going to what? Show you the Father. After I show myself to you, I'm going to show you the Father. And what we do is we let people who believe in other gods, you you got to figure out what what is it, Buddha? How many hundreds of thousands of gods do they serve? Everything's God. Dandruff, snot, feathers, everything's a God. All of those, everything's a God, except most Islam, and you're talking about a God that tells the men Listen, when you die, you get to have 70 virgins. So you get to screw around for like ever with some poor, innocent girl who couldn't get a play on earth, and now she can't get a play in the afterlife. So there's no hope there. You get to have all of this material stuff. Because obviously he has that somewhere. But it's really funny. God's world doesn't look like ours. But Paula's world looks like his world today. God, is said, he said, it's a mystery. He said, we're going to be able to. And I say that to you because you need to know how horrible it is for women. We're the only, Christ, Jesus Christ is the only afterlife that celebrates and venerates females. No other one does it. All of the rest of them, she's a slave to man in this life, and she's a slave to man forever. Now, we think, and just because America passed some rights, we think we got it covered. America passed some rights. Trust me, those rights don't travel to the afterlife <laughs> because they don't even travel to other countries. And yet you're fighting to put to destroy Christianity 
you have in the afterlife. Now, will those faiths live? According to Isaiah, they will live. They said the, the, the kings of, under the earth is precede Satan. they waiting for him to get there. And I need you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Because you have to understand, if you don't think critically, everything that you're doing means nothing. If you can't sit down and defend your faith, the Bible says wisdom has the answers to those who are sent to her. So whoever you're sent to, God expects you to have answers. And how many of you can, I'm just, this is a real interesting question. How many of you all, since we've been on the journey that we've been on, have had an opportunity to share this with people? One, two, whatever, you know, the whole thing, biotic, salvation, redemption, all of that. Three, we have three. Okay, so three of you all have, the rest of you aren't asking. Hey, God, I need you to send somebody to me so I can share this. And he'll, he'll trust you by how you share it with your family, because if you're scared to share it with your family, trust me. See, I know she did, honestly. Because you have got to, if you don't share it and begin to see what's happening, how the, how it's landing, how people are responding to it, then it's it's clogged up. And after a while, you're just bored. Oh, here we are, biotic again. Okay, here we are. But what if you shared it? So be, thinking critically, under your judgments, a lot of these judgments are not judgments at all. They're, they're literally, there are reflexes. They're not even good opinions. They're just reflexes. And instead of hitting you physically, they hit you with some stupid statement. Okay? You understand methods. You understand, uh, we talked about the facts. And the biggest thing is uh, analysis and solution. You, you know, you have to think a matter through. You know, I can do all of this because I've spent decades thinking through all of these issues, all of these matters, all of that doctrine that didn't make sense to us. And now, Jesus, you know, he knows when I'm getting ready to get started because I start with now, Jesus. <laughs> now, Lord, see? <laughs> see, because he knows you're getting ready to get wild up. Now, you know what, Holy Ghost? Father God, oh, Jesus, Lord, we have to talk. Jesus. And, you know, he's waiting. Because he, if you are, if you're smart enough to understand the, the, even to feel uncomfortable with it, he knows you're smart enough to entertain his answer properly. Like, God, hey, Jesus, is that as stupid sounding to you as it is to me? Because, you know, I'm not smart. You're the smart one in this relationship. Now, we have, and I, I, this is, one of our, yeah, one of our drills, our dunamite drills. It's in here. So you need to get your copy if you don't have it. And so here, identity. I think that I thought this was such a good one because it, there's a lot to it. So you have identity. You have your the success. You have your graphics. You have um, engineering. How are we engineered? We are, we are the product of divine or Godhead engineering. How are we engineered? I am born of the seed of Christ. So moving on, the first thing we have to know is that we are biotic. That means when, when he says we have the life of Christ, we are the life of Christ, biotic. That is not a theological statement. Right. That may have been a theological propagation. 
It might have even been the foundation for doctrine, but we are Christ. That when there was no theology, when there was no Bible, God was still begetting people again to Jesus Christ. We're biotic. We are the offspring of the Godhead. We are born of the seed of Christ. You have got, that's why I wanted you to get these, so you can keep saying them over and over again. And when somebody tries to tell you this, that your faith is wrong, hold on. Let me just tell you about my faith. Trust me, you won't get the four flips before they want to hang up the phone. Because, <laughs> see, people don't want to hear from the, from the true Christian and from the strong Christian. They want to live and pattern themselves after the wrong Christian. Mm-hmm who is not a Christian. So can we go on? I'm going on. Have faith in God. We can have fun. First Corinthians. Most interesting thing about First Corinthians. We've done that last week, but I want to go now to another part. Paul, we, we have preached this and didn't put together that it's a biology. Okay. So he goes through the working of the miracles, and then he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, is that 12? Yeah, okay, I'm going to get it right. 12, 12, he said, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, we've heard that forever. Haven't we heard it forever? I don't know about you. I've heard it. We could preach. We, they, we use it, but we are, the, in, in many people's minds, we are the, collo- the colloquial body of Christ. We are the metaphoric body of Christ. Sure. Sure. We are the allegorical or metaphysical body of Christ. Yeah. We cannot be the actual body of Christ. So you need to understand, Christ, when we were made, your body goes back to the dust, your soul and your spirit go to God for him to dispose of as he sees fit. And here's what's interesting. Your soul was not created, was not created on earth. The only thing that was created on earth is your body. So the earth owns it and it recycles it. And you are, your body is reused over and over again. Now, I want you to think about that. You are who are my, my scriptures, authoring mantles. I want you to think about that because it's important that you recognize that we preach a gospel we don't even realize. So he says, in the same way the physical body is, so is the body of Christ. And Christ is a body. And then he goes on, for for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, and we all have been made to drink into the spirit. Now, that means all of our spiritual chemistry that we have, we have with a family that's already been in Christ. We act as if when Jesus came to earth and rose from the dead and sent the Holy Ghost, that's when the body of Christ began. But Ephesians clarifies that because Ephesians says, that Jesus Christ is the name after all who are in heaven and on earth in the Lord. So, see, you have to understand your flesh may belong to this world, but your soul should be getting ready for his. 
That is why he put so much emphasis on the soul, because the soul and the spirit had to be delivered to the body on earth when God breathed into Adam. So he's talking about this body, and he says to her, okay, for the body is not one member but many. For if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, it is therefore is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? And so, but now God has set some members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body we think to be less honorable upon these we, st- we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Now, you might want to say, well, what is that? He, he's subtly saying, I know your armpit stinks, but there's a lot going on in there that we need. <laughs> so I just want to give you all some vision. <laughs> Clarify, okay? You know, we might, you know, we might not even like our toenails, but they serve some purpose. All right? So he's saying that, you know, your faith may be the big hurrah, but you understand that it's that for a reason. But all those other things you need, that's fine. You've got to have that spine. You need that reproduction or, we are, you're, you're the, or you're the end of the line. So we need that. For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the membership have the same care one for another. So he's telling us, you don't know if you're talking to Jesus' eye, or are you ignoring his ear, are you despising his heart? You don't know, because God had a body, and was a body before he came to earth. That is why Paul could talk about the spiritual body and the physical body, the heavenly body and the earthly body. He talks about that because in God's realm, everything's a body. And everything in a body is not as it is with us. doesn't just serve its own body. Everything in God is operating on an exchange system where you have this and I have that. You need what I have. I need what you have. Hence, we have exchange. That's what divine currency is about. Different people helping each other accomplish various things. That's where it is. When people say, well, there's no such thing as buying and selling in in heaven, yeah, there is. You know why I know? Because the cherub got kicked out. Because of his business practices. See, if it doesn't, if it never happened in God's world, it can't happen in this one. So when we look at the screen and we see biotic, it means organic. 
So when God says the living God, he's saying the biotic God, the biological God. It's organic. It's vital. It's anatomical. There's plasma there. And all of these things, and I've studied these terms so that you recognize what God is saying. So when God talks about this gospel, he said the gospel has what? We preach the gospel that has a form of godliness, but what? Denies its power. Why is that a big deal? Because it's nothing. It's no more than God might as well just told us to go read a stone. <laughs> go read that stone because you're not going to get anything from it. So then these are just some of the identity elements of your dunamite drills. These are it. As he is, so are we in this world. If you look at it, identity, the king, key to destiny. I am built together as a habitation for God in the spirit. This is Bible. God doesn't need to habitate your flesh. Your soul is doing that. But when you, when Adam fell, Adam lost the spirit of Christ and had to subsist on the spirit of the serpent. The whole born-again thing is based on the fact that the spirit of God departed him. We're like, well, I'm not sure that really happens. I mean, I don't really know if that happens. Well, the spirit of God left Saul. And what replaced it? An evil spirit. That protocol was established in the garden. So when you get born again, the reason you get a new spirit is because God is evicting your native spirit that you inherited from Adam. And and the body without the spirit is dead. To keep you alive, he puts a new spirit in you, and then he puts the Holy Spirit in you, and then he gives you a spiritual heart that can't betray him any longer unless it decides that salvation was not what it wants. See, we can't, we can't even teach people how to get born again. When I just received, just received, no, 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 no. Because the, the heart you have is the heart of darkness. That's why we're blind. That's why it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? So now your soul heart doesn't get changed, but the power for that change happens through that new creation spirit. That is why we must be born again. Because spirit, he, the, because he, he handmade angels. He begot Jesus Christ out of his own being. That is, mm. wow. Jesus. I had to rest on that myself. Yeah. Just give me a minute. So if you are, if you go and say, I'm saved because I just simply want to change my life or live a different life, then you will not, you will still operate on the handmade, manmade. But if you decide by faith that you want to be belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you must die like he had to die. And you must be born again in death like he had to be born again in the heart of the earth. Y'all almost want me to shut up, right? You want me to be quiet right now? No. So you understand that you're, we're upset with the church that never ever died to this world. That's all Paul is saying. And he's saying this not from the mortal realm. He's saying it 
if you want to occupy or rejoin your father in the immortal realm where they don't die, where the worm dies down here, but they don't even have to worry about that. They don't die. And that, and that means that whatever technology the Almighty came up with after he had this whole infestation and this whole degradation from Lucifer, he obviously developed a technology that said it would never happen again. Mama. And it was perfected in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But before it was perfected for earth in Jesus Christ, it was perfected in heaven. When you read in Revelation 12, they're talking about woe to the earth. And he talked about God's citizens loved not their lives to death. We just assumed that was earth, but it wasn't earth. So Satan initiated death in God's world. Sure. That is why hell was created for him. Hell was not created for him when he got to earth. Hell was his earth, and earth was his hell. His hell. That's why God had to come back and bring it back online for the next creature. So he actually initiated death in God's world. And God, because death for heaven is not the same as death for earth. We don't see what happens to those spirits and souls when that body gives up the ghost. We don't see that. Now, all the devils see it because they knew how to come and get Moses. Satan came to get him like, oh, boy, we got a big one here. This is a big catch. I mean, God, you realize how many how many people we can catch? And he doesn't have to die anymore because he's now become our dead specimen. And so they know, but we don't see that. And because we don't see it, we don't realize that what's happening. Now, we've got machines now that's telling us, we don't know why that brain is pumping, but mm-hmm. it's still pumping. We don't know why that heart is there because it's actually not really doing much. Mm-hmm. But God, the majesty, God did not send Jesus here not knowing that he could pull it off. <laughs> right. I don't know about you, but that's almost like, mm. yeah. So you're thinking about all of their brethren that had died in God's realm. Some deserving, but the ones that die as martyrs. See, martyrdom didn't even begin here. Because martyrdom, martyrdom didn't begin here. None of this that we are telling people is A-OK began here. And I, I, I like teaching this because God had to say it. We, how many times have you heard, well, you know, because, you know, we're trying to keep y'all saved. And so, you know, well, you know, hell was not created for man. It was for the devil and his angels. And we thought, so when did they go there? We don't ask the right questions, so we won't get the deeper revelation. So when we look at it, this is, uh, today's the day for scripture, so I'm at Bless the Lord. So, now, leading up to verse 6, it talks about how the dragon is stalking the woman, hates her. And Israel was considered to be the woman. But 
eternally, the ecclesia is the woman, but we are the bride of Christ. So he's on both sides, okay? Now, we can handle all that stuff later. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Do you understand? Get the picture, guys. Stop just reading print. The devil had a mass and army. His angel, he had an angelic army that was not the same as the third of the stars that he drug down because they were already on earth. Get a picture. So they had this, I, I, I can't even dream what in the world could the weapons have been. I just shed over. I'm going on. And prevailed not and was, uh, and neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, I can show you where that happened, but I'm going to leave you hanging. Now, verse 9. Hit that liberty bell, because that's my bell. <laughs> Small stuff. Hey, it better. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, don't, don't do it like that. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it on to go through it. But anyway, verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I don't care what an occultist tell you. They cannot tell you anything that makes sense about how Satan came into this, a, a being. And why is, he, why is he locked on earth? And he's saying earth, we're talking about earth realm. The universe, the reason that they talk about the universe, because that's where they are, that's where they hung out, they could not go beyond the universe back to the God realm. Okay, and then verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying, in heaven, now is come the salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now, they were cast out to earth. So either they had a a, a battle on earth and couldn't get back, but then they shouldn't have lost the battle. So for the accuser of our brethren, does anybody's Bible say anything more than our brethren? For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So accusation for humans and accusation in the God realm, two different things. In the God realm, accusation destroys. It disintegrates. And so he says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So there had to be some sort of mediatorial lamb or some mediatorial hemorrhaging in God's realm that, that God used to bring his people back. Because When you think of it, Hebrews 10 said Jesus lives by the power of an endless life. So he's not blood. So what what we call blood, heaven calls endless life, or they call God life. 
Because Jesus had to come to earth to get blood. He got the blood from Mary's soul from his head. Anyway. And so, but look at this. It says, but, it says, and they loved not their lives to death. That means he was slaughtering folk. Therefore, I like therefore. Y'all okay? Okay. Y'all okay out there? Are you with me? Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in what? You understand how profound this is? He said, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And then they look beyond them and they say, whoa. (laughs) Woe to the earth. Woe to the earth. So then all of this that happened before then wasn't about earth. Come on. You you get that? All of this that happened leading up to this statement was not about earth, which is how we can say when God says that the hell was created for the devil and his angels. They were cast out to earth. It says they cast down to earth, the earth realm, wherever that realm is. Okay? And it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. This is powerful. And if we don't wrap our heads around this reality, we'll continue to have Satan's narrative as our identity. And our identity casts him as God and us as the subject, the feudal subjects. But this narrative says we are seated in heavenly places for a reason. We're above, we're not seated there allegorically. God is so sick of our, our allegorical, metaphysical nonsense. I mean, he's like, I want to spew it out. You know, the Lord does vomit. I want to vomit it out. And so he says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Now, if this was not, as I said it, then why was he in the swamp and then in the tree? For darkness was on the face of the deep. So God is saying, and Jesus came and said to us, Jesus, remember him, son of God? Interesting, yeah, rock the world, okay? But Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. So it can't be in this time. I saw him. Because when Jesus got to earth, we were, you know, he was meeting the devil. The devil met him at when it was on a fast. You know, you don't come over to my mountain. I'm going to have to show you some things. And so, and two of the women were given two wings of a great eagle. Now, the Babylonian women were given the wings of a stork in Zechariah. So that's how they got the 
Stork bringing the bait. That she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, you can tell me all day long, because, you know, I, I sat down with my, my, my scholarly brothers and sisters, more brothers than sisters. You can tell me all day long, this is not, this is for this time, but that is that can't be. That can't be. Because the when the 70 went out, they said, Lord, even the demons. Yep. He had no demons in heaven because God didn't make demons because demons are devil's offspring. So he has to have them here in this realm. Are you all okay? As he is, so are we in this world. You must know about your redemption, your redemption in Jesus Christ. We have got to start preaching the gospel. This is the apostles' gospel. This is the apostles' doctrine. Because apostles do not, because we are thronal agents, meaning we are actual, and really one of the definitions were the, um, the alter ego of the sender. And another one is talking about being the literal, it's a biologic extension of the sender. So, When we minister to you, we have to talk about Jesus Christ. That is why an apostle who has not had the privilege being visited by Jesus Christ cannot give you the gospel, not the full gospel. They can give you the handed-down version because the one thing we've got to know is that this, you just read, this is not so much not about the devil on earth. It is so not about all of this. This is about 100% about the war in heaven, about what this devil did. If you read Ezekiel, uh, I want to say Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, when you read that, he did horrible things. He created a horrible world, and he created a horrible life in God's realm. And he did it with beings. He didn't do it with things. He didn't do it with wires. He didn't do it with technology. He didn't do it with an internet. He did it with the being of the Godhead and all of the beings their life was in that they reproduced. Mm. How do I know this? Because everything in God's realm is a being. We've got the angel of the sea. We've got the angel of the air. We've got God riding on the, the cherubim. All of that is important. Are you all hearing? Mm -hmm. And we don't. We, now, we, there was a time this was popular. Um, I used to download a lot of things from Britannica's old uh, 1911, Need to Know, or Love to Know, Love to Know. I, I used to download a lot of that before, you know, Satan's takeover took Christian, Christianity virtually off the Internet. I mean, they were surprised that they had so many Christians that we began to cry out, now, hold on. No, no. So then, I mean, you think about you, half of you all, we couldn't even get the, the little, what did they say, lecture to even talk about Jesus. Right. How do you, a lecture? 
I don't even know about the, the one on Apple, but there was a time they wouldn't talk, they wouldn't touch Christianity because they thought that if it wasn't in print, it didn't exist. But it's in people, which is why they have an issue with people. Now, we will pick this up, but uh, just to, to let you know, when we do it again, we're going to get into this part. And I just want to, I'm right on 1 o'clock. I want to thank you for listening. And I'd love to hear your feedback out there. I'd love to have a nice apostolic and prophetic roundtable to talk about the biotics of our redemption and why it has to be biotic and it can't just be mechanical and it can't just be theological. I don't know about you, but once I got this, I changed, and it changed me forever. When I realized, oh, wait a minute, because we're waiting for something mechanical to happen. We're not looking forward to realizing we are the Godhead's mechanic. We're their mechanism. That is why I started with reading what we are in terms of the, the end. And what, it takes the church getting off the planet for him to pull off everything that he's going to pull off. Because as long as the Holy Ghost is here, he can't reign. When the Holy Spirit takes the church out of the way, then that when they ask me, is this the last thing? No, 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 no. See, because there, see, I can give you those specifics. And I can give you the intricacies and, and that make it make sense and let you know this is why we're not there yet. Y'all blessed? Very much. I'm blessed. I am I'm forever changed. And I am forever changed because my salvation and my redemption does not speak to me by print and ink any longer. Because when they take away the Bible, they still can't take away your salvation. They still can't take away the gospel. They still can't take away redemption. Because we can say greater is he. That's in me than he that is in the world. As he is. So are we. In this world. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am the seed of Jesus Christ. This was not some novel thing that I came up with. This is to bring the church back online. This is to bring Christianity back online. The same power. We love singing that song. The same power. That raised Jesus from the dead. Dwells in us. We're not impotent. We may be suppressed. We may be repressed. We might even be oppressed and depressed. There's a press in there somewhere. <laughs> but we are the greater ones in this earth because we are filled with the fullness of the Godhead, because we are offspring of the Godhead, because we are filled with the divine nature of the Godhead, and we are literally transformed into the family of heaven. We are the family of heaven that God embodies on the planet. I don't know who you are wondering what's the big deal about Christianity, because I hear you saying that. I hear that you said they're coming into this. 
So what's the big deal about Christianity? What's the big deal about being saved? Because Satan's snobbery and his sperm spurning us and scorn has, has taken root in the body of Christ. I'm telling you right now, I just preached to you the big deal. And in a minute, we're going to get the, go from the big deal to the big reveal because God's going to reveal his son in us. See, that's what Paul said. Paul said, but God chose to reveal his son in us. And, yes, I'm lingering because God is doing something. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, please, don't. you first have to repent of your sins. And you have to repent not only of the things you did, but the reason you did them. See, the reason you did them is because you were born with the sin nature. What we do by nature, that is what we do in behavior and in actions. So if you haven't, you need to repent of your sins because in that repentance, you acknowledge that if you had the seed of Christ, that wouldn't have been your life. You wouldn't have done half of those things. And then you, you move from there and say, I know that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. I know that he is the ancient of days, the beginning and the end. Oh, wonderful. You can go on because, see, there's a lot. But, you know, Chief wrote a nice little something. If you all want that, what is that that you have for the salvation? salvation. She wrote an amazing salvation prayer. Uh, I'll have our team put it up so you all can say it, so you can start saying, no, that's me. Yeah, however way you do it. You know, I let them do all the – see, they do the mechanics. I just come up with the biotics. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> but you need to say that prayer, and if you are in a church and you, you feel like, hey, that my church doesn't believe this and doesn't teach this, you can stay in that church, but understand you're opting out of God's world. And see, a lot of these people opted out with knowing. You opted out by default. So now we need to go back and get you born again. You must be born again because there is no other name given under heaven whereby people, humans, must be saved but the name of Jesus. You must be born again. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm looking you in your face. You must be born. I don't care how long you've been sitting in your church. I don't care that you're the mother of the church. There's another one. I'm the deacon. I'm telling you, you would have done all of that for nothing, and you will become a polished minister for Satan's realm. You must be born again. Hey, thank you for listening to me. Don't forget, live, think differently, live powerfully with the mind of Christ and the thoughts of God. You got to have them both. Share, 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 and then share. And then after that, so, 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 and so. You need to sow to this because you didn't know this. And for a whole lot of you, I just saved your souls because I gave you reasons to fight for your new creation spirit, for your new heart in Christ Jesus. You want to read that? Read that at Ezekiel 36. I believe it starts at 24. Maybe 22, but 22 to 26 is what I always read, and you'll see that it is the anatomy, the articulation of John chapter 3 when Jesus said, you must be born again. Join us Sunday, 8 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock service. Share this with your friends. Sit around the table and talk about it. Dissect it. My feelings won't be hurt. Just don't write me ridiculous things, you know. 
Most of us like to hide our unknowingness. <laughs> God bless you. See you next time. <laughs> oh, I like that. When did we get It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.